Welcome to With You Every Step, the solo travel podcast that explores, explains and hopefully inspires you to travel the world by yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. This week is an episode that has been requested from my steppers. This is a topic that I am not qualified to speak about at all. So I have invited Bess Hepworth, founder of Planet Ally, to talk about travel for the LGBT plus community. Bess is the lead organizer for the Miles of Love Conference, which is the first of its kind in Hong Kong on the 2nd to the 5th of November. Thank you, Bess, for taking the time to talk to me. I know you've been flat out with all the organization for Miles of Love. No, thank you. I am so happy. I'm happy to pop my stepper cherry. And I believe I might be your first gay stepper as well. So we're doing a two for one. Yay! (laughs) Very, very honored. I'll try to represent, okay? I'll try to represent. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you how this episode has come up, has come up because yeah. I actually put it out to my steppers and I said, what do you want me to talk about? Any topics? And this was the main topic that people wanted wow. to know about. Where is safe for the LGBT plus community to go? Countries they can go to, places they can feel safe and not feel mm. excluded and not worry. And that is not something that I know about. I'm a straight white woman. <laughs> so this is not my domain. So that's why <laughs> I have you. Oh, look, well, just thank you so much. Just the fact that you're um, taking that on and being in a space, you know, it's not, you don't know everything, right? We, none of us do. We're all experts in, in our various quirky ways. And so I, I guess some of my experience comes from lived experience and some comes from my gay day and night job. And just thank you so much for creating this space. And I'm I'm really delighted uh, that being so requested. So let's see where we where we get to and and how we can help support our travellers who are LGBTIQ plus, but also support our non LGBT plus allies who just want to know a little bit more about what's going on in this space. Yeah, because there are so many things I'm not aware of, and to be honest, I hadn't even thought about it. I've got family, I've got cousins that are gay and my cousin travels everywhere and I've never even thought that there's somewhere that might not be safe for him to go and it really makes me sad. It just makes me sad. Uh, Well, thank you for helping create more space for this conversation because to be honest, I mean, you touch on that this is something that you don't know and in all honesty, some of the miles of love catalyst is looking at our own giant community and realizing that there is still a lot that our own community don't know so it's not just about educating those outside the community if you will it's our own community getting themselves into into trouble and potential dangers or you know just finding themselves in situations that are a little bit risky just by not having the information or not realizing about the legislation in a country about the transition of travel, body checks and scans, for instance, for our transgender community. All of these issues are things that sometimes you only find out through actually traveling and having that experience as well. Mm. So you mentioned the body scan. Yeah. So I'm conscious I'm not a transgender person, but I do um, consider myself a trans ally. And there's a lot of 
issues for people that are traveling. Like if we dial it right back, when we start to travel and we're going outside of our country, so we're both Australians, when we're traveling, we've got our passport. A lot of the issues start right then and there if your assigned birth gender is not in line with the gender that you identify. So we talk a lot about your assigned gender at birth and then in terms of what is the gender on your passport, your gender marker, and they don't always match up. And so you find that people who self-identify freely as a trans woman and maybe people don't even realise are then travelling and the minute they hit immigration, the photo doesn't match the gender marker. So right there you have an anxiety, you have a concern, you have a fear about travel. And unfortunately the reality that literally stops people travelling Um, not just our trans community, but our intersex community. For those that don't know, when we talk about LGBTI, the intersex is around sexual uh, characteristics, so chromosomes and genitalia. And so that also causes confusion. So Mm, I didn't actually know what that term meant. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a big issue for anybody that is not on the binary, I guess, if you will. It doesn't self-identify as a cisgender, a kind of um, male, non-transgender male or female. So I try not to get too too jargony because I don't want to overwhelm or or scare anyone that's new into this space. But just effectively, right from the point of immigration. But even if I give you an example of that from a travel perspective, so I'm in Australia right now, which is great. I'm coming at you from the Adelaide Hills in my tracky dacks and my double socks and my nana ju- my nana jumper to keep me warm the best um, thing about podcasts <laughs> wearing yeah I've totally exposed myself um whereas yesterday I was in Hong Kong in shorts and a tank top you know what I mean so yeah. but the reason I mentioned travel is in terms of my family is our youngest son my wife and I have got two children I gave birth to our eldest six-year-old Flynn. And then Jude, our four-year-old, my wife gave birth to, we kind of secretly, cheekily call that the lesbian loophole. I don't know if anyone else calls it that, but that's what we call it. And Jude was born deaf, our youngest. And so he's rocking the cochlear implants, thanks to the Victorians inventing that. And I travel with him a lot. My wife is a pilot. So I have to travel with my non-biological son quite often to come back for testing. And he's also losing his vision. So he's a lovable hot mess, but we travel a lot back to Australia. And every time I'm at immigration, I have to carry a letter from my wife that says I have permission to travel with my my son. Now, I was there when he was born. I cut the bloody umbilical cord, you know. Mm. So I've known him his entire life. I knew him when we were going through fertility treatment and, and selecting the donor. But that's what you kind of call institutionalized discrimination. So families suffer as well. So it's the stigma around issues that people face in society. Then you amplify that more when you're facing discrimination and you haven't even left the country that you're traveling in. So that kind of just puts, but then for me, I still a Caucasian woman of immense privilege just by my ethnicity. And, and so I'm very conscious of that, but that too, I still kind of what I call first world gay problems, but it gets a whole lot more trickier than when you travel. But on the flip side, a lot of people travel comfortably into countries that are non LGBTIQ, but it's what they're doing or what they're not doing, probably more importantly, to keep themselves safe. But also it is really important that 
you make yourself as aware as you can about the laws in the same way that you do in terms of cultural laws when you're being respectful in a country. So, you know, plenty of people travel to countries that are anti-LGBTIQ, but you need to just do a little bit more homework. Uh, There's plenty of gay-owned or friendly tour operators across the the world. Um, There's an entire organisation called the International Gay and Lesbian Tourism Association, a travel association, and they've been around for 35 years helping travellers navigate all of this. But where I think there's a little bit of a gap Mm -hmm. is how we can support on the ground LGBTIQ, you know, plus communities that are really suffering. So close to Australia, when you think of travel, we go straight to Bali, right? We go to Indonesia. And there would be not many of your listeners, perhaps, who those that are lucky enough to travel that wouldn't have maybe done a stint to Bali or to parts of Indonesia. And why wouldn't you? There are some beautiful places. But that is a country right now that is going through immense regress. Um, There's more and more domination of conservative, you know, political views. Uh, The LGBTIQ community around the world, when it faces a crackdown, it also faces being a scapegoat to maybe hide other political issues. And so our communities really suffer. And there are pockets around the world, some are larger than others, of anti-LGBTIQ that comes from uh, religious spaces, but there's also affirming religious. So when I say that, I caution that to say that there are a lot of amazing, amazing affirming Christian and other, you know, faith organisations. So just the disclaimer, I'm not knocking religion, but there are those narratives that exist from a religious perspective, but also from a very conservative alternative right perspective. And so right now our Indonesian community are suffering and maybe our Aussies and our other listeners around the world might be familiar with Uh, In the mainstream news last year, there were two men that were publicly caned 100 times, and that was because they were caught as a couple. They weren't just caught as a couple being allegedly being intimate. The door was kicked down of their their apartment, so it wasn't like they were being indiscreet in in public. It was a proper it was a proper witch hunt, and there are crackdowns not just in the Arche area which is more around the the Muslim dominated spaces but now it's moving to Jakarta and there are talks of national legislation and so that would affect Bali and Bali is one of the top 10 travel destinations in the world. So you get a massive disconnect now between people that are traveling. Do they feel like they want to boycott? Do they feel like they want to go but be careful? And I think that I'm not a boycott person because I'm too connected to communities on the ground to feel like I'm abandoning them. But that economic impact of discrimination when you do boycott definitely makes waves. And it did in places like Uganda with the Kill the Gays bill two years ago. So there, you know, there is... Two years ago? an argument for that. How many countries do we want to talk about today? <laughs> oh my gosh, you've already blown my mind. I'm sorry. So, so in, in Bali, mm. this case that you were talking about, is yeah. it illegal? Is that why they knocked down their door? Well, this is the thing. It's not yet illegal, but there are certain pockets of Indonesia that are ruled by Sharia law as well as Indonesian law. Okay. And this is when uh, in places like Aceh, 
the Sharia law dominate. Yeah, that was really difficult to watch. Uh, our community really, you know, were reeling. But that when we relate it back to travel, this is also Sharia law applies to tourists. And this is my fear. And this is why I want to have conversations like Miles of Love and why Planet Ally wants to get stuck into this travel conversation, because we're not trying to scare people and say, don't travel. We have to be way more mindful of what we're doing, because I really feel like it's only a matter of time, depending on whether a country wants to make a, a case. There are anecdotes of, from the Malaysian communities that I speak to that there are hotels that are knocked on the door. The police will come in, will look at the register, registers and check to see whether there are same-sex couples in rooms together. And there was a, a documented case, I think, three years ago, of a, or it might have been two, of a lesbian couple that were local but were in a hotel because obviously the local community are also using hotels as a place for intimacy if they can't be out at home or hiding their relationships so you know they might use a hotel mm. you know just for intimacy yeah and uh two women were were taken forcibly out and I don't I need to check the follow-up on that but were arrested and interrogated because of being a same-sex couple and that and Kuala Lumpur is another really key destination when you look in Asia of like cool cities to go and travel and check out. And so the the third kind of one, I guess, a little bit further afield, but is Egypt. And when we're looking at these amazing, beautiful places, world heritage sites, Egypt had a situation last year where a rock concert had some youths held up a rainbow flag at the rock concert. Mm -hmm. And it it was an openly gay uh, singer that was part of the band that was travelling who was performing. The, the fans held up a rainbow flag and were promptly arrested and there were more than 50 people were arrested in Egypt uh, that night for being at the rock concert and uh, people were, were jailed. And that's just for holding up a flag, right? So these are the kinds of issues that um, – and Jakarta, going back to Jakarta – a hundred men were, you know, raided in May last year that were in a, a kind of men's club. So when we think about gay travel, particularly our, our male travellers, these are issues. And when I mention Egypt, one of the issues that we really are going to get stuck into with Miles of Love is you can be on travel apps, but you can also be on kind of romantic apps or, or friendship apps like Grinder, if you've heard, it's kind of like the. I like Tinder that you gave it. Boys. I like that you gave it a very nice name there. <laughs> I was trying, so and I'm like, oh, there's just no pretty way to say it. Um, the hookup app, that, yes. <laughs> or Hornet, or any of these apps, but Grinder particularly was targeted by the Egyptian police, and people have been tricked into you know, being coerced to meet and they're meeting a police officer without knowing and then being arrested. So these kind of issues so is are it, happening. So it's still illegal in Egypt? Yeah. So again, Egypt is another one where it's not illegal, but yet the laws are becoming so much more conservative that it's only a matter of time. And there's worse rumours that some of the Egyptian laws being proposed, they're going to be worse than Uganda's. So this is really some of the key hotspots, if you will, around the Asia-Pacific, Middle East, North Africa region. But also, you know, in, in the Middle East, there are there are laws on the books and some some countries, you know, we've got Qatar is going to be hosting the World Cup coming up and we've just had it in Russia. And, you know, the laws in Qatar 
are worse than the laws in Russia. And Russia faced huge issues with our LGBTIQ travellers, so much so that the Russian LGBT network created an LGBT hotline so that tourists had a safe space to dial in. And regrettably, some people needed to because they were targeted. And so Miles of Love is actually really interested in, and we're bringing the Pussy Riot members here because Pussy Riot stormed the field at the World Cup to talk about the silence around these issues. And we want to have a conversation about sporting events. And in Hong Kong, we've got the Gay Games coming up in 2022 for the first time in Asia ever, ever, ever. And I went to the Gay Games in 2002, I think, in Sydney. It was one of the best weeks of my life. So we're all gearing up really excitedly, but need to... And Hong Kong's a much safer city than the ones I'm talking about. But, yeah, so we should talk about the good stuff. But <laughs> I know. I'm a little bit confused, though. If it's not law, how are people being arrested for this? Yeah, and this is the thing. Well, this is where there is the lack of accountability and this is where there are, there are grey areas, if you will, between the line between cultural law versus the legislation at the moment and when things are are starting to be dominated the other way. So it's a very grey, complex area. Okay, now I'm starting to see why people wanted this, wanted me to do this episode. <laughs> I, I really had no idea. And so mm. I thought, oh, okay, yeah, sure, I'll do an episode about this. But you've already opened my eyes up to so many things that I didn't know was happening. We can talk about some really great stuff, though. Yes. Let's talk about some good stuff because I, I, I am a really happy, optimistic person, I promise you. There, places like Cambodia, you know, obviously has a, a very dark history, but there's some wonderful things that are coming out of the country from the kind of post, you know, genocide. And one of them is a beautiful gay dance troupe and Natrasaya, and they are bringing their beautiful dance of Khmer dance fused with pop songs and they they show beautiful performances and there's a wonderful transgender taxi service in Phnom Penh you know so I think for us it's not just about trying to highlight where there are issues it's also highlighting where there are opportunities for allyship and active allyship and and supporting our communities on the ground so our goal with Planet Ally, we're only two years into our existence, so we're little, as the Chinese would say, we're young grasshoppers or we're small potatoes. So I'm a very small, humble potato. But the goal eventually is that we build this website of ours so that it has, here are the laws on the, on the ground, here are the phenomenal events that we encourage you to go to, here are some of the great community members doing wonderful work, and then go and check out the IGLTA, the International Gay Lesbian Tourism a travel association for, you know, where you can go for great deals or what, where are safe places to stay. Because one thing that we know is no matter what is going on in a country, people it's not going to stop people wanting to go. And you can pass. A lot of people can pass for straight, being a lesbian and gay, sometimes trans, but it's a little harder, but particularly lesbian and gay community, you know, it's not something that you wear on the outside so you can pass you can be assumed that you're the sister or god forbid I've been assumed as the grandma can you believe it but <laughs> um, that's been awkward where am I my wife but um that's you know, very you, awkward <laughs> <laughs> I know and I thought I was young looking but never mind um but <laughs> you know there's there's lots of great stuff there's booming tourism all across the globe there's more gay travel services and vacations popping up all over so 
it's not all do- doom and gloom, but we are wanting to just make sure that we're being a little bit more aware of our rights. As, because the thing is, I might be an activist, uh, but not everybody is who's gay or lesbian or trans or intersex queer. So you can't assume that just because someone's LGBT+, plus, that they know their rights, that they know what's going on. And if mainstream media are not covering this, how on earth would we know? I mean, there have been so many issues that have affected our community, but I live in this gay news bubble, right? So I'm slightly biased in terms of what I'm seeing. And I'm talking to my fellow gay friends in Hong Kong and I'm like, did you hear about this? They're like, no. I'm like, oh, of course you didn't because you're not tracking the, the, the news specifically yeah. for our community. So you can't make those assumptions. But And it's also really great to empower the mums and the dads that might have a child who's gay, lesbian, trans, intersex, queer, you know, it's good to think about this from a workplace perspective because a lot of people go on secondment to a country and they're working for a multinational and the laws are, you know, nice and tight and their their corporation has won huge awards, you know, for human rights campaign awards or or in Australia there's the Pride and Diversity Awards, all of these sorts of things. But then you go across the pond and you realise that your company hasn't got the same policies in place and you don't have the same protections. So so this is not just about leisure travel. This is also workplace. Yeah. So Miles of Love is a chance to kind of have some bigger issues with, with lots of countries, but it's coming at it from the perspective of the activists, which is why it's a world first. Normally it's coming from the tourism community going, hey, let's talk about what's going on, whereas the activism community have not really talked about the travel and but one great thing that's happened recently and you might see on Viceland is uh, the wonderful actor uh, Ellen you're an actor fellow actor Ellen Page from Hollywood land um, but she's got something called Gaycation with her best friend Ian Daniels and they're starting to travel in different places around the world and show the beauty and show the culture but also just delve into a little bit of the darker side and I guess that's what we're trying to do with the hope that we bridge the gap between dare we say the kind of privileged travel community and the grassroots movements who could really do with some support. Now I don't I don't want to offend anybody but is there more issues in a highly religious country being maybe a Muslim country than is there any other countries that aren't super religious that there are massive issues in? Does that make sense? That's, yeah, it does. And likewise, not wanting to offend anyone. That is such a good, tough question. That's such a good, tough question because right now, if you go way up to the United Nations Human Rights Council, a lot of the issues that we're facing from member states that are pushing back happen <laughs> to have a religious movement that are pushing that and but that's also not just the muslim community that's the christian community and what's unfortunately happening in countries around the world including indonesia to be honest is even the christian right movements are moving into those spaces and funding the philippines is another classic example with regard to a large christian catholic community that there's a movement predominantly from the United States, larger religious groups that are anti-LGBTIQ that are funding hate and hate speech and legislative regress 
in these countries. So, and, and then you look right back to colonisation, and that's something we're going to talk about as well at our forum, is, you know, there are seven countries in the Pacific Islands that still criminalise uh, LGBTIQ people. Uh, seven, right? And you think that is literally on our doorstep in Australia, and that's a big issue. And it's an issue when it's not just about travelling, but when we look at climate change, there are huge issues with our community not receiving uh, support from the humanitarian aid because we're the last on the pile. And I was just in Samoa at the Ilga Oceana conference, which was phenomenal and run by the most incredible Fafafini. They're the third gender women, kind of like trans women, but Fafafini. I could never say that word enough times. I love saying, repeat it three times and you'll, it'll just make you feel good. And this community make you feel good. And we were there for, this is a tip, go to Samoa, go to Tonga, because they're some of the least traveled countries in the world. They have the most amazing communities. They are not spoilt by a large tourism community yet, mm -hmm. and they just are waiting to be explored. But we were there for the Fafafini pageant, and that was the entire community of Samoa coming together to celebrate these incredible women doing wonderful pageants. But while I was there, we were hearing about cyclones and we were hearing about earthquakes that have happened in the past and have claimed, you know, so many lives. In Samoa, there was an absolutely massive earthquake just under a decade ago. And the Fafafini community were the least looked after, but they were at the front of the line doing all the emergency services. So I found it fascinating and, you know, just incredible, the resilience of community members. And this is what you see when you travel around the world, is you see the resilience. No matter where these laws are, you're going to see resilient, beautiful, amazing people that are just doing the best they can with what they've got and trying to create change. And travel creates change, which is why it's so important that we do go. Now, we hear you talking about miles of love. Can you give us a little bit more information about what that is so people understand when you're referring back to it? Yeah, sure. And thanks so much. So we've got 30 speakers from 15 countries and we are going to talk about some challenging issues. We've got our gay Cambodian dance troupe coming. We're going to be talking about how we can really make impact when we travel. Because the thing is, we do travel to the Maldives. We do travel to Egypt. We do travel to Indonesia. All of these places that are literally bucket list, right? Yeah. But even Fiji. Fiji is a beautiful place we love to go travel to, but our community on the ground are suffering. And so the more that the gay travel community starts to reap the benefits of people traveling, we want to make sure that that doesn't leave behind our communities on the ground. And some will say there's a pink dollar and we travel and so we're creating wealth. Yes, that's true to a point. Actually, really, really, when we get down to it, a lot of people travel and are unaware of the laws and are unaware of the suffering or really controversial, just might be a little bit apathetic. And so we just want to put the love back into that and let people have some exposure, meet some of the activists that are working hard in these countries and really bring these stakeholders together to say, what can we do together to create change? I mean, around the world, there's more than 70 countries that still criminalise LGBTIQ activity, and yet gay travel is booming. Predominantly gay and lesbian travel is more popular than ever, is a huge market. It's an emerging market, just mainstream travel community to be thinking about and to be marketing to. Mm -hmm. But we want to make sure that, A, 
people don't do harm because they don't realise or B, they can see that there might be an opportunity that they could perhaps, maybe they could donate some money. You know, you might go to your five-star resort in Bali, but maybe one of the NGOs, Arungas Palangi or some of these amazing NGOs on the ground, maybe you could chip in a few bucks their way. You know, so you're having a good time. You don't have to necessarily go and feel bad and be in that community space. Although I, I don't think you'd feel bad. I think you'd love it. <laughs> it's more that how can we be more mindful? We're traveling to these countries, yet these countries are suffering. And I mean, I see my own, the reason that this has been something I'm passionate about. A, my wife is a triple seven captain. I'm a pilot's wife does that mean you get lots of really cheap or free flights tiny bit (laughs) that's the bonus I mean there has to be a bonus to not having your partner around a lot right that has to be one I reckon (laughs) no we're incredibly lucky to have that and that gives us a chance to see more of the world and so you know not everybody's got got that opportunity so when you do choose a country you know, it's good to know as much about that country as you can. And I think I think it's also just people are not aware. And if you look outside of the LGBT plus community, this is like a, a large conversation. This is an overwhelming conversation you and I are having to to have the steppers hear me ranting about all these countries. Like <laughs> I should just dial it right back. I'm so sorry, guys. I used to be a lot calmer. No, I don't think I do. Actually, that's a lie. But but there is an opportunity for advocacy. It's travel advocacy. It's not just about the marketing. It's not just about how we, like the hotels that we stay in. We're not talking at Miles of Love about a single hotel specifically that we're going to be traveling to. We're talking about the effects of colonization. And, you know, just a few weeks back, India had their colonized uh, law 377 completely reversed. So overnight you have more than a billion people set free from this law. There what does that mean? I don't I don't understand what that law is. Can you explain that? Oh, sorry. Yeah, sure. So basically a law that was, oh gosh, it was 1864, I think. I'm hoping I got that name, that number right. There, It's penal code colonies from when the British were ruling India as one example. And in fact, there's some great work being done by a group called the Commonwealth Equality Network. And there's some phenomenal Australians that are part of that. So shout out to them. You know, there's more than 40 countries in the world that are still under British colonised rules. And so even though some of these kind of draconian laws might not be in operation, in some countries they are. And in India, that was the case. They've had a bit of back and forth there was it was reversed a few um, years ago and then it was there was a judgment that then put 377 back onto the books and so these kind of penal codes have huge effect in terms of you know the the laws and whether they get shifted in a country so this was the supreme court ending section 377 in india you know one of the largest countries in the entire world so that has set this conversation off on a massive course. Sri Lanka, not far from India, is hopefully going to be the next country that might see their their sections reverse. But this is and this is the issue that we're having in the Pacific Islands as well, is and different parts around the world in Africa as well, of course, where where there was a settlement. That law that you're talking about that is making getting rid of it being illegal. Is that 
breaking it down. Sorry, I, I, I'm a simple person. <laughs> no, no. Shockingly, I am too. So apologies for, for, for me not being smart enough to articulate that better. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, in effect, that's what's going on. Is, is that It's these laws that have been put in place since the 1800s mm. that are still causing huge And so huge that, that was that it is illegal to be gay. Yeah. And another issue in terms of, that we haven't touched on that's an important one as we think about migration and mm-hmm. human rights is asylum seekers and refugees. So we're actually going to have a big conversation about the airlines that are LGBT plus friendly, that sponsor big pride events, but on the flip side are also deporting our LGBT plus asylum seekers within the same day or week that they've you know been involved in a pride event. So there's a disconnect there. So these are the kind of tough conversations and we're having them with an amazing uh, global partner called All Out. And All Out are able to garnish more than 100,000 signatures when a crisis breaks out in our community. They, they are the ones that deliver the petitions to the government, are really involved in countries like Russia and Nigeria and Uganda and obviously places in Asia that we're talking about with Egypt, et cetera where these countries, and I guess touching on Egypt as well, and when we think about the travel community, there are some of the travel companies that are marketing to these uh, places, but just not being as open about the laws, because I guess they don't want to scare people, Mm. but we want to kind of have a delicate conversation, go, we're not trying to stop you from encouraging people to travel, because travel is going to change hearts and minds. When we see communities and when our own family travel to places that are non-LGBTQ, we know that it makes a difference to locals on the ground who are visibly seeing a rainbow family. That That is important. And we were in Tonga last year doing exactly that. But we do need to make sure that our travel community and travel industry are taking more responsibility as they reap the benefits of the, the privileged travel market. Mm-hmm. We need to now bring them into the conversation and say, can we empower you? Can we talk to you? Can we have a roundtable dialogue, which is what we're going to be doing with all the stakeholders and the tourism community and say, where can we meet together so that you're not harming your business interests, but we're also supporting the community? So I mentioned Pussy Rider coming because we want to talk about what's been happening in a sporting sense with regard to Russia, with the Sochi Winter Olympics a few years ago, and with the recent World Cup, but also an incredible opportunity arose from another group that we're bringing out called Rainbow Railroad. They can encourage people to donate their air miles to support people fleeing from persecution. So asylum seekers can receive funding from Rainbow Railroad, a Canadian organisation, and they are the only group in the world that are doing this. So we want to talk to them. And last year, an awful situation occurred in a, a, a section of Russia called Chechnya, where a concentration camp was built and 100 men were rounded up almost overnight within a matter of days and tortured and asked to to give names of others. 27 men were murdered, but the government has not claimed this. But what happened at that time is our community rallied and we connected and Planet Ally was able to, to get stuck into this and partnered with the Russian LGBT network and Rainbow Railroad to encourage Hong Kongers predominantly in our global community to donate their air miles. So how cool is that when you've got a travel community that can actively do something if they've 
I'm in Hong Kong. A lot of people travel. So not every country, you know, is blessed with the amount of air miles. But my gosh, Hong Kong has got a stack of air miles to the point where some people don't know what to do with them. Mm. So I'm like, I know what we can do with them. This is what we can do. So it's bridging the gap. It's letting the travel community know about wonderful things like the Cambodian taxi service from the trans community. It's it's the, the donating your air miles. It's what can we do to leverage the travel community, the airlines, to really support more on the ground. So it's a very, very progressive event. It's the first of its kind. And it's it's been confronting to, to share with people because it is asking people to kind of really look at this from an uh, honest perspective. But, you know, John Tanzella, who's the president of the IGLTA, I mentioned you know, he talks about the tourism, it can't achieve its full potential until destinations, and we talk about all destinations, mm-hmm. are committed to treating, you know, LGBT plus visitors and tourists as well as their citizens with respect. So, mm-hmm. you know, we want to make sure that that conversation being had and really, in all honesty, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not being had. It's not being had. So this is a very, very progressive event that we're really hoping creates some traction and builds more community and allyship from the tourism community, but also that it doesn't breed resentment from the the community on the ground that see people promoting their country, but they're not benefiting from that direct support. And so that's what we're really looking to do with with Miles of Love. Yeah, well, well done. It's fabulous. And I I hope it gets out there and a lot of people can learn from it and it can make a difference. Now, if someone is a solo traveler, and they want to go somewhere, but they want to meet people that they feel comfortable around. Do you have any suggestions on ways that they can do that in a safe way? Yeah, actually, there'll be Danielle Walby will love me for this. There's a new organization or a new app and a new community that's growing called Queer As, <laughs> and they're really looking to, can, I know, clues in the name, right? <laughs> and they are really putting themselves out there as a queer global cultural space. Um, and a resource and a what's on guide. So Queer As is a new emerging one. But I mentioned the IGLTA. They are without doubt your first port of call. And, you know, feel free to hit me up personally because, it, you know, it will depend on where your listener's coming from. Mm-hmm. There's a great site that's called Equal Decks. And Equal Decks has mapped every country in the world based on it's a collaborative project that kind of visualizes rights through maps and timelines and so you can go through and you can choose any country in the world and you can find what exactly the laws are in that country planet ally is going to be there soon um batting in (laughs) and really wanting to build this so we have a because what you find at the moment is there's pockets of information but it's not collated everywhere. So that's what we're hoping to do. And we, with the permission of the Equidex folks, we'll have their content. We'll we'll be able to um, tell you what great events are on and then we'll refer you to the links, you know, for instance, the IGLTA, who will tell you what are some of the gay-friendly, LGBTI-plus-friendly communities on the ground, like the travel, tourism, community. Mainly so if people want to find where to go, they can go on to apps and they can go online is there special hostels that are are designed for people to feel inclusive there I think more and more there are kind of initiatives like that popping up but I wouldn't say there's too many yet 
I would refer to the IGLTA website that map each country based on where where the gay travel kind of operators exist. But I would say contacting organisations like ILGA or us, and we can tell you, uh, we can put you in touch directly with communities on the ground because this is the kind of thing at the moment that doesn't have a large enough digital footprint and people need to still be a little bit careful in certain countries as to what they're publishing. But in every country, even the countries that have got the most conservative laws, there's going to be a community thriving as best it can and that will love to see you and would love to be proud of their community and their country. Because just because the laws of a country might not be progressive doesn't mean that they're not proud of where they come from, of their culture, of of the wonderful, you know, tourism that that can be accessed. So I think it's a great question. This is such an emerging space, which is probably why your listeners have asked for this. Now, you mentioned the Philippines. I've been to the Philippines and I hope this is not offensive. It gets thrown around a lot in the Philippines is the term lady boy. Mm-hmm. Is that considered to be offensive? So I'm glad that you're asking me this. Just a few weeks ago, we held an event called How to Be an Ally. And we had one of the speakers, um, we did a human library. So everybody went around and, and we had someone who was bisexual and someone who was asexual and various members of the community. And our transgender speaker, Dr. Brenda Allegra, is an amazing trans academic. And she talked exactly about this language because there's been an evolution of language, just like there is in other human rights spaces or other cultures where there are words that we might have used 40 years ago to describe a, a particular country or cult- person from the country yeah. that we would never do now. Mm-hmm. And Ladyboy is one of those. And in the same way, I've heard a lot growing up the word tranny and I say this without trying to offend our trans community that is a word that is no longer considered appropriate so it's difficult to you know this would be another entire podcast but I would try not to use that word you can use third gender or trans or someone who's a cross dresser but ladyboy is now considered derogatory and I guess it always goes back to the intention as well because being an ally it's tough. There's a lot of language. There's a lot of different, you know, we are not an LGBTQ or an LGBTIQA person. We are one or a few of those spectrums. So it is a difficult journey to go down. But if I think it's also about what I call creating spaces of grace. And it's really, I, I stole that term from an amazing Black Rights Matter movement activist on the ground here in Hong Kong. And I love that term because we don't always get it right, but it's more about whether it's laced with the intention to get it wrong or to cause harm. That is the issue. Nobody should ever get upset or get angry. Like I know you beautifully, you know, shared that you didn't want to cause, you know, any harm or say the wrong thing. It's okay if you do, because we do all the time. I mean, a new emerging thing in our community is for the genderqueer, uh, non-binary community and the reference to using pronouns and preferred pronouns. And this is something our own community are only just getting their head around. So you don't necessarily say she or he, you might be referred to as they or them. And it's just what makes someone comfortable. So I think Mm. Should you come across in the Philippines a community that or, or someone that fits that description, 
ask them what they want to be called because it's really just call them a person, you know, go by their name or the person rather than those labels that can be quite harmful depending on the intention or depending on the trauma that that label has created and caused for that person. Yeah, that's really good to know. And out of all the episodes I've recorded for my podcast, this was the episode I was most nervous about. For that simple fact, I was Uh, so worried about saying the wrong thing and I don't want to offend anybody. And there are so many terms now that just, just are not acceptable and we've learned that and I think that goes with a lot of things. And that is just a question I had because I thought that. And I remember being in the Philippines and it was thrown around so much, that term. And I remember thinking that kind of sounds a bit mean. Mm, But mm. I wasn't sure if it was or not. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, it's good to know. No, good on you. And I think, honestly, I think... As with anybody that's educating a community that, or, you know, listeners who are not familiar with language or a particular culture or, or lived experience, it's also on us to, to help. And it is important that people do their research and it's not appropriate to ask certain questions of members of the community because that can be too intrusive or harmful. And particularly when you're talking to someone who's trans or someone who's intersex is just not a, or someone a person with a disability you know we, we've got an amazing speaker who's a Paralympian Teresa Go, who's a Singaporean out wonderful speaker that's going to be with us and we're going to talk about travel and accessibility and what it's like for a queer person with a disability and you know she already we've interviewed her before and we've got a great YouTube that she's done with us on just allyship tips like it's just start with doing a bit of your own research and then find somebody who's an oversharer like me (laughs) (laughs) to make you feel comfortable about being in a space that you feel a little bit vulnerable or not quite sure. And in the same way, when there's somebody asking something about, you know, any other issue that we don't know about, I think it's, I think someone like myself, it's my responsibility to try to guide people on that journey. No pun intended. Um, And but it's sort of a little meeting people halfway. Do a little bit of your research first uh, because there are lots of resources out there now in terms of language and in terms of, you know, our community. But mm. then also don't be afraid to reach out and certainly don't be afraid to reach out to me. I would just love it if someone wanted to to talk to us about what we're up to or where they're at in their allyship journey or something that they wanted to talk more about or anything I said that they struggled with or wanted to find out more because the clue is in the name for our NGO, Planet Ally, and our tagline is we want to live on a planet of allies. And we mean that intersectionally. We don't just mean that about our sexual orientation, gender identity and sexual characteristics. We mean that about all aspects of human rights and really just leaving the world better than we found it. Yeah, and that's great. And that's why I'm so glad that I got to speak to you today because I will be putting all your details in the description. If people want to reach out, feel free to do that. Like I said, I am not the person to answer these questions and Bess is. So absolutely reach out to her if you have anything that you're not sure about. Might Something maybe, I mean, Best did tell us a lot of information. And so there was a lot of things there that went a little bit over my head. I'm going to be honest. I'm but sorry. No, it's, it's good because there's going to be people out there that will really understand what you're saying. And again, mm. if you're in that community and you're not sure, my podcast is about traveling and giving you the confidence to do it. And I want everyone 
inclusive of every person on this planet to feel comfortable to do it. And that was my whole point with doing this episode is making people feel comfortable to be able to do that. And I think you've given some really good tips on how people can do that by going to certain apps, going to certain websites, reaching out to people if they're not comfortable to do it alone. There are people you can ask that will be able to point you in the right direction. Absolutely. And I know we've we've gone a bit heavy. I feel like I'm sending everybody a virtual podcast hug because it, it's really important that we travel. It's really important that we expose ourselves to lots of different cultures and experiences and equally that we are visible as our community are happy and out and proud. And there's nothing better than when you travel to a country and you are a gay woman going and seeing another person in your LGBTIQ community. It means the world. It just you came all this way, <laughs> you know, it's a really beautiful thing. But do check out some of the travel alerts that the the different, you know, consulates put out there. Depending on what country you're from, go and check out your government's immigration, you know, visa web pages that should have travel alerts in terms of uh, Australia. You've got Smart Traveller, which I think is smarttraveller.gov.au. Smart Traveller is amazing. I use that every time I travel, I even register my trip on Smart Traveller so because you can do that and then they know where you are and they also send you alerts say you're in a country and there might be a cyclone or a hurricane or some kind of natural disaster that might be happening they know where you are they know they will send you an alert saying hey we don't think you should be going there and I do it especially on my big trips when I'm going to multiple countries and it will tell Mm. you if you're due to be going somewhere and there's some kind of alert you get the email and it says maybe don't go change your plans so it is really good to do for everybody to check that website out there is so many things on there that is really helpful we are trying to build a allyship glossary on our website and we are trying to build exactly this where we've mapped all of the countries uh where their alert travel alerts are so so we're small potatoes right now i'm a team of one with fabulous volunteers but Um, That is our goal so that we can help you be the best ally on the ground, but also that you feel safe and that you want to go to anywhere that tickles your fancy. Well, that's right. And I think you should be able to, obviously, if it's a war-torn country, you don't want to be going there. But I think if there is somewhere you want to go, go, but just be smart. And, you know, I've been to Mm -hmm. Egypt. I had to be careful as a woman being in Egypt because right, I had right. to cover to my past my knees and cover my shoulders to respect their religion mm-hmm. and the way their country runs, which I'm totally fine with. But also it's about affection in public. And, you know, I was single at the time, so I didn't have an issue. <laughs> but I think I would be aware of that even as a straight person that yeah. be careful of what you do in public in certain places. And there's still countries that you can't hold a hand unless you're married. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess like don't be a budgie smuggler. Is it? <laughs> remember, <laughs> I've got a whole that. different vision going on right now. <laughs> Is it the was it budgie gate? The budgie nine? Oh gosh, you remember the, the oh. guys that went to the Malaysian Formula One Grand Prix? It's all that stuff. Just be sensitive. Be culturally thoughtful and appropriate. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, I will be putting all your details in the description. Please feel free to reach out to Bess. As you can tell, she loves to have a chat. So (laughs) reach out to Bess and she will answer any questions you have. And I can't wait to hear how Miles of Love goes. I think it's a great, great thing that you're doing and you're 
website is fabulous for Planet Ally. People get on top of it, help out. If you can support, do that. Bess is doing her best. And thank you for being able to share with us today. Oh, no, thank you so much. And, you know, we have covered, uh, oh, my gosh, how far, how many miles have we covered? We've covered a lot. If we want to dial it right back, anybody wants to know something or wants some more information, just feel free to just reach out. Hit me up on Twitter. I love being in the Twitterverse or Instagram where we're there. We're everywhere on social, on Planet Ally app, on Facebook, or just me personally, best at planetally.org. Would absolutely love to hear from you. Now, just before we wrap up, you do partly live in Hong Kong. And my last episode with Troy was about Hong Kong. Have you listened to that? I have. And shout out to Troy. He absolutely nailed it. I can't believe he, like everything he was talking about. I, I thought he did a fantastic job to give you a, a snapshot of Hong Kong. You know, we talk about places like Melbourne or Adelaide being four seasons in one day. I think Hong Kong is four landscapes in one day like you can literally you can be right in the urban jungle with you know all the skyscrapers shoot on a train which comes every two minutes courtesy the mtr yeah and you've got your octopus card which i believe was an aussie invention um it sounds very when he said ocky i was like that sounds so australian We like to claim the good stuff. No, honestly, I think it was. And you can go and be in the mountains with under half an hour. You can, you can be, you know, on a ferry, like you said, the Star Ferry. All of the. I think Hong Kong's a really accessible city if you wanted, even just doing it as a stopover. So if you're looking to go further afield, the UK, Africa you know, America, wherever. But Hong Kong is a great spot to really, you can smash it in three days. I honestly say that. And we have friends that do it. You can spend longer, but it is the kind of city that you will have no issues soaking up uh, lots of experiences. And of course, if you want to savour it and do the food, the foodie experience, you will absolutely be in heaven. I'm glad that you enjoyed that episode. And Troy, I thought, nailed it. I've never been. It sounded (laughs) like it. The thing that I was most blown away with was the dragon holes. Yes, they are a thing. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't. I I had to Google it. I was like, yeah, right, Troy, whatever. (laughs) Google it. Dragon holes comes up. So if you don't believe us, Google that. (laughs) You'll see there's dragon holes. It was amazing. I can't believe that. Did you have to Google it? Did you know what they were? No, no. I mean, I've been in Hong Kong for 14 years and my wife was born there and the kids were born there now. So we're kind of cheating the expat experience. But Google the Repulse Bay ones because the ones you see on the coast are spectacular. They're like the structures, the architecture, you know, people come just to see the the different buildings. And also Alan Bond, remember him? He was part of a building called the Lippo Centre and it's a beautiful building that has got koalas climbing up bamboo on the outside. Would you believe it? So you need to come just to check out the Hong Kong koalas on the Lippo Centre building. It's quite, I love to show people that. It's one of those magic eyes. You've got to keep looking at it, but trust me, you'll see it. Wow, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and it's been a really good chat and I hope people get a lot out of it. And like I said, if you need anything, contact Bess. She will be able to help you or point you in the direction that you might may need. Thanks, guys. I'm glad to have popped my stepper cherry and I look forward to listening to more episodes. (laughs) Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to With You Every Step, hosted by Michelle Lee. We do hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, make sure you tell everybody. If you didn't, nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Please subscribe to get up to date with our latest releases and give us a thumbs up on our social media at With You Every Step. We love to hear from you. If you have any questions or inquiries, head to the Contact Us page at our website, michellelee.com. That's also where you'll find all our blogs mentioned in the podcast. We love to hear from you and if we have inspired you to travel. Thanks for listening. Love life and adventure on.